only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, go ahead. Are you ordering a pizza? No, we're not ordering a pizza. Oh, man. Bummer. There's bagels, there's rice cakes, there's peanut butter. Oh, rice cakes, yes. Bacon. Bacon. There's cereal. I've been doing it all week. There's salad. I did eat three chicken breasts. Wow. And they were not full chicken breasts. Three chicken breasts, huh? They were, I mean, they were, they weren't anything to brag about, you know? It was probably like six chicken strips if you were to combine them. Oh. That's nothing. What's better than this? Guys, here on the Draft Podcast, it's Joe Marino and Kyle Grabs of NDT Scouting and the FRS Network, and we are your hosts on this Monday edition of the Draft Dudes Podcast. Really excited to talk some film with you people here on the show. Kyle and I are getting into our baseline evaluation for these players entering the 2018 season, and so we've got a lot of different uh, uh, takes to jump on the podcast today. Kyle, welcome to the show. Thanks, Joe. Uh, feels good to be grinding some tape, getting back in that mode, and, and setting a baseline opinion on a lot of these players, and uh, 
getting back to watching football. It feels good to, to be back in the swing of it. Joe, I don't know if people know this, but not only did we watch college football film from last season, but we watched some actual, like, legit live games. New football is back, and people don't know this, and we're going to start the movement right here on Draft Dudes. CFL, baby. Oh, baby. I took in four games, Kyle. Four? Four games since oh, last, my goodness. last Thursday. I, now, that first one, there was, like, two lightning delays, and I didn't, you know, I didn't stay awake. But then I caught the doubleheader on Saturday night. There was a game on Friday. And uh, it, it, I, I was thirsty for some live action. I took the time to learn the CFL rules, and I had a lot of fun. Four games is a lot of Canadian football, Joe. Uh, help me out. Uh, I'm very new to the game. You're new to the game. But I believe you're, you, you've you got the rule differences and discrepancies down pat for any any CFL virgins that are out there that may be Looking to make the jump, first of all, we will be gentle. Watch it with us. We invite you. But second of all, Joe, there are some rule discrepancies, and I'm going to hand this off to you because I think you, you've got a good grasp on this, and, and I don't want to screw it up. All right. I, I could get in 30 seconds. Give me 30 seconds. You are. I will give you the uh, what you need here. On the so, clock in three, uh, two, one, go. 30 seconds. So the field is the field is wider. It's longer. It's 110 yards instead of 100. The the, uh, the goal posts are on the goal line, and the end zones are 20 yards deep. There are three downs instead of four, and um, the backs and receivers can go in motion before the snap. They just can't advance, you know, get get past the line of scrimmage. And then there's Ten the seconds. Route. So if a, if a team punts the football and they don't advance it out of the end zone, you get a point for that as opposed to uh, you know, no points. So there it is. There's your big differences. What about, did you speak on the end zone depth? You, you were in on like, yards, yeah. yeah, you were in on like 29 seconds though. So well, you you yeah, just so, squeaked no, yeah, it I, in. I, no, I covered, I covered the end zone depth. They're 20 yards deep. So Okay, good. I, I could not multitask and count the clock and listen to what you were saying. So I'm assuming you nailed it. <laughs> and I thank you for outlining that for everybody listening at home. We're at the gym, or in the car, or wherever you are. But yeah, Joe, you you have me put on to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and you say, Kyle, that's going to be your brand. Yeah. So apparently, you think I'm a front runner. First of all, <laughs> I don't know what's up with that. No, I just I think it's, it's the way that those fans are. I, that was like the I, one, I think the first game I watched, and uh, the, the, the the it's like the Raiders fans like dressed up with. Crazy outfits and they're green and they have catchy chants and you know they got a lot of players that we've scouted you know that didn't pan out in the NFL and I just felt like it was your team. For me, I'm a Montreal Alouettes guy. First of all, the Alouettes suck. Hey, look. Okay, Second of all, those jerseys are butt ugly. They they're doing a different uniform for every month. No, they're doing a different helmet Thank- for every month. I think it's every. I think I, I think it's the whole thing. I'm not a great fan, right? Look, it's just a team that I'm rolling with. They've got a player. They've got they've got a player on their team, John Bowman, a guy that went to Wingate University, where I went to school, where my brother played for four years. So he's a guy that I seen play in college. He was dominant, dominant pass rusher. He's the all-time leader in sacks in the CFL. So I got to stick with my guy. Listen to me. I'm looking at the Saskatchewan roster right now. First of all, did you know that there are practice squads in the CFL? Not only are there practice squads, Saskatchewan's practice squad has 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 players on it, including Kurt 
McGitt from Tennessee. You remember him? Yeah. And Carl Bradford from Arizona State. Oh. 2014 draft, former Green Bay Packer linebacker, is on the Saskatchewan practice squad. Also on Saskatchewan on the active roster is guys like Eric Stryker from Oklahoma. Uh, Let's see, Trey Mason from Auburn. Nick Marshall from Auburn, who's playing defensive back in the CFL. Um, There's at least two more. Shaq Evans, wide receiver from UCLA, is on this team. Deron Carter, wide receiver from Ohio State, is on this team. Uh, Brandon Bridge who remains to this day to be one of the worst quarterback prospects I've dated, or I've scouted to date in my NFL draft career, is on Saskatchewan. There's some names on this list, Joe, so I think you're on to something here. I think the, the unis look clean. There's some familiar faces on this team. They won their first game. It's always a good start. I'm not used to rooting for winners, so you can honeypot me that way <laughs> all you'd like, and I'm going to bite. And apparently their fans are psychos, which is uh, very much in line with, with my brand as well. So I think you might be onto something here with Saskatchewan. And uh, it, the timing of the season couldn't be better, right? So oh, teams yeah. are going away. NFL teams are they're gone for what, like the next six weeks uh, between OTAs and training camp. And so the, the CFL season kicks off. And so it is a, a nice little bridge right now, especially considering my New York Mets are not very good. Yeah, I remember us trying to record this podcast in April, two months ago, Joe. And you had me schedule our recording around the Mets game because they had, quote, a very important game in April. And my response was, what? My response was, what? Uh, Something about how there's no important baseball games in April. There is no such thing as an important baseball game in April. And this is the byproduct of 162 games. You can't tell me otherwise. And your argument was, uh, well, if they're, a ha- if they're a game out at the end of the year and they lost that game in April, then yes, it is an important game. I'm hoping to be a game out at some point. Game, <laughs> game, game out of last? It's, it's oh, been a rough, yeah, rough no, I, stretch for the New York Mets. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, let's talk about some college football tape that we watched recently. Here. Yeah, let's Kyle. do that. Let's go ahead and do that. I've had some fun, man. I've been digging into a lot of these AC guys, and uh, I started with a lot of different guys, but the ones I want to talk about right now is the Clemson defensive line. There's a lot of hype surrounding this unit. Some people say there could be as many as four of them drafted in the first round. I think that is extremely rich, but there's one guy that it's not a matter of if he goes in the first round, it's about how high he goes in the first round. I'm talking about Cleveland Farrell, Mm. the outstanding defensive end, man. He is just, uh, he is just a really refined football player. And when you think about that, he basically took two years off because his senior year of high school, he was out with an ACL injury and then he redshirted his first year at Clemson. And then, you know, he, he really has turned it on. And, and you watch this guy. I love his first step. It's very quick. It's very explosive. He gets a good vertical push out of his set. But then it's what he knows how to do with his hands. His club-rip combo is special. His ability to uh, set up uh, his, uh, his chop-rip is really good. He, uh, he knows how to set up the inside move. His spin move is really solid. And he's just got a lot of variance to how he gets after the passer. And, um, 
he just does such a great job of softening those rush angles and turning corners, man. And, uh, you know, he's just got a nice combination with that first step, the hand usage, with the uh, with the length. And uh, he's just a dog as a pass rusher. And then, man, he's a pretty good gap. He's a gap-disciplined dude against run. I mean, there are plenty of nuanced reps where, you know, he, he is very uh, savvy to stay in his gap and maintain that outside leverage and attack inside when he needs to and set a firm edge. Like, he's a very complete football player. And, uh, you know, I, I think that he's got the chance to be a very high pick next spring. Yeah, I, Cleveland was a guy I kind of caped for last summer as a guy that was going to have a big year. Uh, if you, you watched his the end of his freshman season before he got hurt, in the national championship win against Alabama, uh, you saw all the traits. And this dude just put it all together, was on a different level, I thought. Uh, As you said, impressive polish for a a player of his maturity and and eligibility and uh, nowhere to go but up. And I think one of the interesting parts about Farrell's game that's going to make him probably, I don't want to say polarizing, but you're going to get people on both sides of the fence for him if if you're talking about him as a top-10 prospect, right? Is I don't know that he has four high 4-5, low 4-6, 40 time, or a a 10-yard split that, that's in that you know upper 10%, 90th percentile and above, but I don't think it matters. The more and more that we're watching prospects come through, you see a guy like... Joey Bosa, and that's it's going to be a good segue into you know my thoughts on Nick Bosa, who I watched this past week as well. Um, you see guys like this that come through, and they they don't have outstanding uh, linear explosiveness when they're getting off the line of scrimmage, but when you factor in things like snap anticipation and ability to use hands in tight quarters and winning rushes from tight alignments, I think these things are, are much, much more relevant than getting a guy to wide nine and having him just run by guys. And, and the more that I do this, the more I kind of find myself shifting and focusing on guys that can win in more tight alignments and and valuing them a little bit more than just the stereotypical, like, bendy, bursty edge guy that, that can tilt and drop the outside shoulder. Obviously, a great trait to have because if you get a guy that's elite at it, it's very difficult to stop. But Cleland's not necessarily that kind of guy. But he can win in tight alignments. He can win with his hands. He doesn't need to beat you with his first step and run right by you. He can beat you in so many different ways. So uh, kind of my same opinions on, on Nick Bosa, but Joe, I want to give you an opportunity to kind of pivot off of that any way that you might like to based off what I said before I move on to another player. No, I, I think I'll, I'll go ahead and disagree with you a little. All right, so our first uh, 2019 draft prospect disagreement. I do think that Cleveland's going to test well in terms of that 10-yard split. I think that it'll be it'll be impressive. I actually think if you said Joe over under 4-7 on the 40, I would say that he's under 4-7 right now. So I think maybe I'm seeing a little bit more of a dynamic mover than you are. Yeah, and I would, I would say like – between four seven zero and four seven five is where I would guess that he ran right now. Yeah, I don't think he's like sub four six or anything like that. Yeah, but he's nothing I think crazy. He probably runs the four six. No. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, let's let's earmark this one. We'll come back to it, and uh, you know, we'll we'll see how we'll see what we think after a couple twenty to eighteen games. How's that? 
give you a chance to come back on the winning side. Oh, boy. <laughs> let's, talk, let's talk about Nick Bosa, because I know you feel the same way about Nick Bosa. I don't want to put words in your mouth. Yes. But uh, Nick was a guy, when I watched, kind of like what you saw with Joey at Ohio State, uh, he's smooth. That was one of the words that, in, in my conversation with you, uh, was the first word that you threw out regarding Nick, was that he is very smooth. Uh, but I don't necessarily, again, think that he is a superbly explosive athlete when it comes to athletic testing. But from a functional standpoint, his get-off's terrific. Uh, I just don't necessarily think he's a straight-line explosive, like, very strong tester when it's going to come down to it. But Nick, man, my goodness, uh, don't block him with anybody other than your left tackle because they will lose. Penn State tried to block him with Mike Gusecki one time. That did not end well, as you could probably guess. Mike Gusecki got walked about four yards laterally into the pocket and five yards deep into the lap of Trace McSorley. Uh, He is very, very aggressive when he's catching you flat-footed or out over top of your toes. He can mentally process that body alignment, and you see him tailor his pass rushes once he takes that hard upfield stem and he's reading you. He's really adept at gauging your body positioning and your weight distribution and then attacking you appropriately, whether that's coming back inside with a swim move or he does this really nice uh, rip-club combo where he'll get Shoulders turn, so his chest is square to you. He's diminished his surface area, and he's got that inside lateral tilt. He takes his outside arm, and he clubs through both your hands and then rips up through to clear your hands completely off his body and, and rushes around the outside rush track that way. Uh, had a couple really, really nice reps in that perspective uh, against Oklahoma and Orlando Brown. So, uh that being a promising showing a guy that ended up being a third round draft selection in this past year's NFL draft, a guy that, you know, can expect to challenge for a starting gig at some point down the line. Uh, Nick, he plays hard uh, from a functional strength standpoint. He can stack you up in the B gap. Uh, he plays the B gap run very well, just like what his brother did. And it's a really interesting dynamic between where both of those players were, uh, as juniors. So I, I, I watched a lot of Nick Bosa from his sophomore season. I watched a lot of Joey Bosa from his junior tape and kind of compared and contrasted those two very, very similar players. I do think Nick's a little bit more explosive than what Joey was. Joey didn't have good explosion scores, but he had great shuttle scores. Um, and I, I would expect similar from Nick where I think his shuttle scores will be better than his explosiveness scores. But, uh, just a real treat as far as the the technical side of his game. Another guy like Cleveland Field that's very developed with his hand and and his understanding on how to beat offensive tackles. Uh, Kyle, I'm interested to kind of circle back to a question that we we uh, we touched on during one of our earlier film 2019 film uh, podcasts, and that's the Joey Bosa, or excuse me, the Nick Bosa Ed Oliver debate, and I. I had just done film on both of them, and I was leaning towards Oliver. But, you know, we're talking very high, you know, high, highly regarded prospects and, you know, just kind of gunned ahead having to pick one. Where do you stand now that you've given, you know, kind of the, the you know, the summer deep dive, if you yep. will, 
on Nick Bosa? Uh, Nick is still my favorite to be the top pick in next year's NFL okay. draft. Uh, I I think he's tremendous. Everything about him is translatable. Um, he could come out and have a five sack season like like Joey did, and and some people might overthink it, but you could just you know throw those kind of takes right in the trash. This this is a kid that everything about him is translatable, and he is extremely impressive with the technical side of the game already. So uh, I I am definitely leaning Nick as my top prospect entering the 2018 season. All right. All right. Uh, Kyle, I want to talk about this Louisville wide receiver, Jalen Smith. Okay. Uh, he was uh, Lamar Jackson's go-to guy, man. He's six. He's probably 6'3". He's listed at 6'4", 220 pounds. And um, this guy gets loose, man, in the secondary, and I just love the way that he attacks coverage. I think he has a really just sharp awareness as to where to find space and zone and run away from leverage. And um, he finds space a lot, and he's a good mover. Like, he's not necessarily like a burner, like stupid size-speed combination, but he moves well for his size, and uh, he's got great hands and, and ball skills. And, and the way that you know, he just – kind of has a knack for positioning himself and tracking and, and elevating at the right point and making super late adjustments to make acrobatic catches and kind of contorting his frame and, and just coming down with some silly stuff, man. And uh, I think that there's a nice skill set here. And, you know, we, you and I, it's funny, we, we basically talk about this stuff all week long and then it's time to record. So a lot of our takes aren't necessarily new to each other, but, you know, we were talking uh, earlier today about, about Smith and, uh, you know, how interesting he's going to be without Lamar Jackson, you know, first-round quarterback as his uh, as his quarterback and, you know, how he's going to be this year as, as the guy, right, for this Louisville offense where everybody knows he's going to get the football and can he still produce. And it'll be telling because I think he's got a nice skill set. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm just kind of waiting to find out this year if I need to get, like, crazy about him or if, if you know, he's a guy that, uh, is more a product of what Lamar could do and, and the amount of attention Lamar took. That's how we found that much space. But he's very intriguing with his size, with his mobility, with his ball skills uh, so far from what I've seen. Yeah, and it was funny because one of the things that you said first was like, dude, this guy's not a burner, but there's like never anybody close to him, like vertically down the field. <laughs> so uh, yeah, uh, watching a lot of Louisville, obviously – you know, with Lamar Jackson being there, and I, I've been fortunate enough to go to Louisville the past two seasons to catch a game. I saw Kentucky uh, two days after Thanksgiving in 2016 and 2017. I saw them play Virginia at home, and uh, I thought that Virginia game last year was one of Jalen Smith's best performances. Uh, he had two touchdowns in that game, including a very casual one-handed catch. Uh, those kinds of ball skills always make you kind of stand up out of your chair. And uh, I, I can tell you from firsthand experience, all the NFL folks that were in attendance for that game uh, certainly had that play catch their attention. So uh, the big play potentials there, the intrigue is there because this is a size guy that separates down the field vertically and can make some strong plays on the ball. Uh, but Joe, you said it best where, where we really need to find out who this player is with all of the changing conditions that he's going to have to deal with without Lamar Jackson in 2018. And and that's a storyline that I think is really, it's a different 
spin on it, but it's still really relevant for the next guy that I wanted to talk to, which was uh, Juwan Johnson from Penn State, wide receiver. Uh, Morstead is gone. He's in Mississippi State, so they're going to have a new offensive coordinator at Penn State. Saquon Barkley's gone, which was obviously their leading rusher. He was their third leading receiver. Uh, Deshaun Hamilton is gone, who was the team's leading receiver. Mike Kosecki was the team's fourth leading receiver, and he's gone. So this team lost NFL talent at three other spots in the skill positions. Uh, They lost their offensive coordinator. But Juwan Johnson, who was the team's second leading receiver with 700 yards and uh, only had one touchdown in the season, so that was not an area where he was really called upon. Um, There's going to be some change in Happy Valley, but... This is another guy that's a big guy. He's listed at 6'4", 229. I was impressed with his quickness at the top of his routes. Uh, he doesn't you – know, he, he's able to, to beat zone coverage vertically down the field. I thought one area that he needs improvement is he spends a little bit too much time at the line of scrimmage against press coverage. I want to see him use his length and physicality and, and get off the line with a little more assertiveness. It kind of threw off some timing in some instances – but this guy gets to the top of his route stems. If he's running post routes, he's running dig routes, he's running comebacks, he's pretty smooth in these areas. And he's effective across the middle of the field. Uh, he's made some really spectacular catches and, and flashed some, some great hands. He had an impressive one-handed catch against Nebraska up on the sideline where he high points the ball and, and catches the nose of the football with one hand. And uh, he caught the game-winning touchdown against Iowa as time expired last year on the road. So he's made some big plays. But with all of these other guys that are going to be out and are going to be playing on Sundays in 2018, the onus now falls on Juwan Johnson to step up to the plate and say, hey, not only do I have all these physical tools, not only can I flash to you every once in a while, I can be a volume receiver. I can be a featured receiver. And because McSorley's still there and Johnson's the only guy of the top four leading receivers on the team that's coming back, I think it's a great opportunity to showcase what Juwan Johnson can do. And if he does that and capitalizes on it, he's really going to play himself up because athletically and physically, he's got every tool you want in a a big play uh, possession-style receiver. Do you think that that kind of plays really well to McSorley's style? Like, McSorley will just throw it, right? (laughs) For better or worse, (laughs) he is willing to test man coverage and give his, his dudes chances to make plays in the ball. And, do you think that it's kind of accentuated with each other in this offense? And, you know, I mean, how, how translatable do you find that to be to the next level? Sure. I mean, that that was where he was able to win with Chris Godwin, too, when Penn State had the breakout here two years ago. It was, it was Chris Godwin was the guy that was making all these leaping contested catches and posterizing Michigan. and uh, So it certainly plays to the strengths of McSorley. Uh, and, and I think – you would assume that with everybody else being there and him having an established chemistry with Johnson, he's got to get the looks. He's going to be the guy that that's the, the passing offense is featured through him. Now, Penn State has some very respectable skill players that are going to be stepping into some of these roles, but none of them got the play that Johnson got last year, and I, I think that that is a key to my expectations surrounding Juwan Johnson and his ability to be a big player in 2018. As far as how that translates to the next level, um, I think anytime you get a quote-unquote volume receiver, you have to 
taper back your expectations. Joe, I'm not trying to rub salt in the wound right now, but I think Zay Jones is a good example of this. Where Zay Jones at ECU was an, the epitome of a volume receiver, right? They fed him the football on the boundary with quick throws. They, they schemed him a lot of, a lot of targeted looks and, and forced their best player the ball. It's what I'm expecting from Penn State this year. But Zay gets to the NFL level, and some of his warts that were present, if you watched his film and really dug into it instead of just reading the box score and saying, hey, this guy was really productive. He's going to be a stud at the next level. Uh, You saw that there was some sloppiness in his route running and needed to take harder angles on his route breaks. and uh, So I think the proof is in the pudding here, where if you look at the film and you really dissect the specific traits, even if you become a volume receiver that gets force-fed to football, those finer details are the things that's going to tell you whether this guy's going to have immediate success at the next level or if he's going to need time and he's a little bit more of a high-variance pick. Very interesting, Kyle. I have a plea for the people. Okay. And that is we had a lot of fun last week with our draft anything concept that we drafted all 32 NFL head coaches. And we've got a really fun idea for later this week, which you need to subscribe to the podcast so you can find out what that is. But if there is something that you want to see Kyle and I, or excuse me, hear Kyle and I, Kyle and I draft anything on, let us know what it is. Uh, Because we have the summer, we've got some flexibility here with, with our show topics and we are looking for some good ideas because we've had a lot of fun with these. We've done you know, different food things. We did our Halloween candy. We've done now NFL head coaches. So give us your ideas for an, a draft anything idea. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Uh, we have a good one coming up. Do we want to tease it? Do we want to just let it go and tell them that they, get, they just got to tune back in? Uh, yeah, you got to tune back in, but uh, your tease will be aesthetics. Aesthetics. You got to look good to play good. Jill, I think this is a great time to just put a bow on this podcast and wrap it up. Any parting thoughts for the people other than this plea for crowdsourcing? I've got more Clemson D-line takes, but I think I'll save them. I'm going to save them, so so just stay tuned. They're they're like a fine wine, right? They get better with age. They are. That's what they say anyway. So, you know what else gets better with age? This freaking podcast. So hit that subscribe button and follow along with the draft dudes. You know, we are – Getting close to football season, and we're very excited for that fact. As a matter of fact, football season is back if you watch the Canadian variety. We would formally like to invite you to watch with us, Joe and I, as we watch CFL games. We will be live tweeting it. You can follow Joe on Twitter, at the Joe Marino. I am at NDT Scouting. And uh, we, we want you to experience the joy of CFL that both of us have just discovered for ourselves, for yourself as well. So consider that your formal invitation. Uh, we will have CFL takes on this podcast, believe it or not. We're hoping we get into some guys that we've did, done through our draft assessments and they're making big plays on the CFL stage, and we could kind of talk about that and uh, get into some of the differences and how it might showcase a guy's strengths and weaknesses at that style of play versus the NFL. Lots of twists and turns we could take you on, so make sure you stick with us. Hit that subscribe button. I am Kyle Krabs signing off with Joe Marino. Thank you for listening to the Draft Dudes podcast, and we will talk with you all again soon.
You've reached the High Fashion Hotline. Hi, my family's going to a concert in the park, and we want our style to be the main attraction. Rock over to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, right now get up to 50% off jeans from 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Up to 50% off jeans for the family? That's music to my ears. Plus, now you can get in and out of the store in a flash with buy online, pick up in store. It's fun, fast, and free. Styles that take center stage and free pick up in store when I buy online? Old Navy, here we come. High Fashion, Old Navy. About 720 to 729, select styles only. Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits so you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.